Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Warriors fans? Recording this on the eve of the Dubs' first regular season game of the 2020-21 season. Of course, taking on former teammate Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. I wanted to jump into it, but before we do that, we'll introduce you guys uh, to ourselves. I'm Jazz Kang. I'll be hosting this podcast. It's going to be called the Collaborative Warriors Podcast. There's a reason why we're calling it that. My co-host throughout the season will be Brady Klopper. Brady, explain why we are calling it the Collaborative Warriors Podcast for anybody who is interested in figuring out why are we using a weird word with, with Warriors? <laughs> well, you know, Jazz, once upon a time, there was a, a sports media personality who shall remain nameless who referred to Steph Curry not as a superstar, but as a great player who was a collaborative talent uh, to suggest that he needed the players and system in order to function at the level that he was functioning at. It's something that I've enjoyed playfully making fun of Uh, i know a few other warriors fans enjoy making fun of that collaborative uh word or qualifier in terms of identifying curry or other elements of the warriors since we all know that he is not a collaborative talent but just an elite talent in and of his own and so since you and i are actually collaborating on this it's the collaborative warriors podcast and we are a collaborative talent because we can't carry a team on our own, right, Brady? So that's why that's <laughs> that why is, we're, we're that is very together. true. We are not Steph Curry, Jess. <laughs> no, no, we definitely are not. Not in the sports media world. Not us as people. We're not close to being as good as Steph Curry. <laughs> um, well, we're going to kick off our first podcast. We're going to be talking, kind of previewing the season. And each week, we'll kind of go through the, the big storylines, preview some matchups, and we'll have some guests on for, for you all as well. Uh, don't forget, go to goldenstateofmind.com. All your Warriors needs, we're going to have you covered from now all the way through the season and hopefully a deep run into the playoffs. So uh, let's start off with this. I mean, obviously it was the, it was the big news of, uh, of the off season, Clay Thompson. I'm still like, I still find myself when I'm, when I'm looking or I'm reading something about the Warriors and then I see Clay's name. I'm like, man, I am still kind of like down about the fact that that happened because I really do feel like if, if he was on this roster and they managed to get Ubre for the same price that they did. Again, I don't know if the Suns would have, would have made that move um, knowing they're loading up a, a team like the Warriors in their own division. But to me, I, I'm still kind of down about that. When you first saw the news, like what was your first reaction? I was, I was just crushed. I was utterly, utterly crushed. I, I think with Clay, he's such a, not just a dynamic player, but one of the most likable players in the league. I always, I always look to him as this player who manages to be like probably a top three liked player in the NBA, despite playing on one of the most hated dynasties ever in everyone hates the Warriors love to rag on him, but they have to all stop short because of of clay, because everyone loves clay Thompson. And so for me, that was where I went even before the actual basketball element of it was he's just such a lovable human. He had spent already a year and a half rehabbing the ACL injury. And you're thinking this must've been horrible for him. The guy admittedly only likes to play basketball and he's just had to sit on the sidelines 
rehabbing this grueling injury for over a year. And now he's finally about to get back on the court and boom, gets hit with another season ending injury. Uh, so I was, I was deflated, I think is, is what it came down to. I wasn't particularly interested in the draft. Wasn't particularly interested in other potential free agent uh, opportunities or trades or whatnot, because it just, it was a deflating move. It, it, it really hurt the Warriors season and it just, you feel for play so, so badly. It's interesting too, you know, with, with how you're mentioning, like, you know, you look at this guy he, he, and he does, it just seemed like he was so depressed last season. I mean, in the games that you would watch in what was, let's be honest, a, a terrible season for, for the dubs, but you know, seeing his face and, and how excited he was once he got back on the court, you know, he had that mini little documentary that he had describing his comeback and then to, to see that happen. Yeah. I was, I was super deflated too, because really in the NBA, uh, you've seen like that knocked them down from being a title contender to, you know, some people like Zach Lowe, I wrote about um, what he, what he was saying in, in his tears, like he sees the dubs as a, as a fringe play in team. And so for me, it's like if Clay, Tom, Clay Thompson's presence immediately elevates them up, I, I do have to say the Lakers are the favorites just with the roster that they have and the moves they made this off season. But sure. what, what I put the Warriors um, right behind them along with the Clippers and Nuggets. Absolutely. And, and I think that's where the part for me, was the most uh, hurtful, not just as a, as a Warriors fan, but as a as a as a basketball guy. Like to me, I'm like I was just so looking forward to seeing him back on the court. So I do have to ask you this though: when and hopefully he does come back fully for for next season. They they have said it'll the ruptured Achilles will completely heal. Don't have to worry about that in the long term. But do, when you look at at him when he comes back, how close of a player do you think he'll be compared to what the play that we've seen you know throughout the first um, you know portion of his career? So I'm going to be a little optimistic. I think he can be pretty darn close. I think he can be, you know, 90% of the player. Um, I think it's a lot of things that, that give me that concern about that remaining 10%. You're, you're overcoming now, not just the Achilles, but still the ACL. And, you know, let's be frank, he's, he's not the youngest player anymore. He's, he's going to be, you know, comfortably in his 30s by the time he's back on the court. He, he's going to be at that age where you do start to expect uh, players to regress and, and slow down a little bit. Uh, the flip side is he's never been a player who has particularly relied on his athleticism. I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for, um, but his good defense has not been the result of his athleticism. His good offense has definitely not been the result of his athleticism. Uh, he's a player who relies on just tremendous mechanics, uh, moving off the ball, shooting, of course, and defensively as well. And I don't think those things are going to be lost too much. You know, when you think of when you think of players rehabbing ACLs and Achilles, you kind of think, oh, you might lose your first step a little bit. You might lose uh, your vertical a little bit. Those aren't really parts of Clay Thompson's game. Uh, so I think he's still going to be a very good player. Um, maybe he'll be more of the fringe all-star than kind of the all-star lock. Uh, but I still expect him to be a guy who – as long as he's playing next to a Steph Curry, can be averaging 20 points a game, shooting well over 40% from beyond the arc, and maybe not all defense-level defense anymore, but still be a comfortably above-average defensive player. Yeah, I, I think that's where he's going to take the biggest hit is on the defensive end, where you're not going to see him you know, maybe guarding LeBron James for 30% of the game, like, like we have seen before. Um, I just think it's his movement and, you know, the lateral quickness is, is going to take a hit, but I'm, I'm with you on the offensive end. If Bruce Bowen can score 12 points a game in the NBA, just standing in the corner, hitting threes, <laughs> I'm pretty confident that, uh, that Clay Thompson will be able to, although I will say this, 
I'm Canadian, so it's funny. Everybody thought I'd be cheering for the Raptors. I'm like, hell no. I love the Warriors. And I really do feel that if he didn't get hurt in that game six, the Warriors were going to win that series in seven, even without KD. Like, they were, they were about to pull away. They had all the momentum in, in, in game six. And, and I really feel like they, they would have won in game seven. But that's neither here nor there. Let's jump into our, our, our season preview. Uh, Warriors, they played, they played their preseason games, won a couple of them, two out of three. Uh, beat the Nuggets, and then split games with the Kings. Well, what were your, your major takeaways from, from watching those, those, uh, those contests? And, and, and where do you think the number one thing is that the Warriors have to improve if they want to be at least a, a playoff team going, going into uh, the new season? So the things that stood out to me the most, there, there were three things that really jumped off the page to me. Uh, the first was Steph Curry just looking like himself. Uh, the shots didn't always fall. Uh, that's fine. It was a small sample size, but he, he had that same craftiness. And more importantly, I felt like he was putting the team on his shoulders a little bit. And, you know, maybe he's going to get worn out doing that, but they need him to do that. Uh, And he last year, it felt like in those first four games before the injury that he kind of deferred a little bit too much to D'Angelo Russell, maybe tried a little bit too hard to be diplomatic and wasn't willing to kind of assert himself as as the unparalleled superstar of the team. And in the preseason, he kind of made it clear, this is Steph Curry's team. I will take 30 shots a night if I have to. I am the best offensive player here by a wide margin, and I'm going to play, play like it. And that, to me, is huge. The, the second thing was the bench looked really good. Um, you know, some of the players, I think Kent Bazemore said that they're, they're going to be one of the top bench units in the league. I, I think that's maybe painting things with a little bit too rosy of glasses, but they clearly have some talented players there. Uh, They've got two centers. Whoever doesn't start out of that Chris Looney and Wiseman trio, there will be two centers who are good to go. You've got Pascal, Bazemore, Lee, Wanamaker. There's a lot of talent, a lot of talent there that worked well and moved the ball well. And then finally, the defense looked really good to me. They were so horrible so horrible last year and I thought you know coming into this new year especially with Draymond Green missing the preseason games that well the defense is going to struggle but kind of on the contrary they had their moments where they really struggled but when they locked in they really looked like a team that can be impactful on that end and Steve Kerr who is not usually overly complimentary uh, has said that you know he thinks they should be a top 10 defense this league and for some segments of the preseason they really looked like that was an attainable goal. So for me, the big thing going in is players have to buy into that. They have to be willing to make those sacrifices and to commit to that. Because you look at players like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, massive amounts of talent coming from bad teams, dysfunctional organizations, bad coaches, player, teams that didn't have leaders, superstar players, people holding them accountable. The question to me is, do all those players have the right habits? Are they willing to take the yelling from Draymond Green, the yelling from Steve Kerr, the strong leadership from Steph Curry, and are they willing to actually buckle down, make some sacrifices, try hard every possession on the defensive end, and even on the offensive end in terms of being selfless and moving the ball? That, to me, is the biggest question as they try to hit the ground running is, is everyone buying in? Because... They're a team on the margin. I think they can still be pretty darn good, but they don't have the talent to float to being good. They have to buy in. 
Well, I mean, I've, I've had to deal with being yelled at by you since I signed on with Golden State of Mind. So I, mean, you know, I, I guess I understand what, what the struggles are with people when it comes Pretty to working with Trayvon Green. Yeah, exactly. No, um, I, I'm with you. You know, I, I think that, and like I said, that's where the, the, the clay injury to me really, really factors in for, for their plans. And, and I, I wrote about that as well, that, hey, you know, Bob Myers did, did a pretty damn good job of, of, of filling in and, and getting a guy like Ubre. You already had Wiggins there where, okay, you could probably bring Ubre off the bench if, if, if Clay, was, Clay was playing. And, and that gives you a completely different dynamic. You know what I mean? Then you have a guy who is capable of coming in and scoring, let's say, 15, 16 points a night. Uh, as a reserve, and then you got, you know, um, Eric Pascal, Marquez Chris, you got, um, um, you know, Damian Lee and, and Baysmore, and who knows if they would have got Bays and, and, and Wanamaker, but at least you would have proven NBA talent, and I'm with you. I, I don't think they have the the necessary higher-end um, players, like, all the way from one through eight, nine, that you're like, okay, that those guys can really, you know, it doesn't matter who's out there, they're going to be a force to, to reckon with. Uh, I think their, their, their starters is, is one of the best units in the league. I think it's hard to beat when you got uh, Steph, Dre, um, uh, pardon me, Steph, Dre, Oubre, and, and Wiggins, and then you end up getting Wiseman, who I think is going to develop into, into a really, really nice player, hopefully. But then, you know, maybe the first half of the season, you start to kind of see him realizing his potential and, and, and kind of establishing himself as, as a top 10, top 15 center in the league. But for me, it's, it's that time when, when Curry's on the bench. And, and you saw that. I mean, I think it was their, their second preseason game. They were up. Um, Curry came out of the game in the, in the first quarter. And the Kings immediately went on a 16 nothing run. And then they had to get back into it with, uh, with their bench guys. And they made that game close, their, their, their second preseason, but first meeting against the Kings. And so where I'm looking at it from, from that point of view, I'm like, the points is going to be hard to come by when, when Curry's on the bench. And you look at it like Steph is their only playmaker. Uh, I think Draymond does a great job of, of running the offense. And, and you can kind of get him the ball at the top of the key and he's, he's going to make that quick pass or, or read the play and see who's cutting. And if there's a backdoor available, then, then he'll be able to read that. But I, I'm with you on, on like, okay, these guys aren't good enough to be like, eh, we can kind of, and you remember the, the heyday of the Warriors, sometimes they'd be down by 14 at halftime and you're still like, oh, they're still going to come back and win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Because yep. that's how good they were and they're not going to have that. So I, I agree with you. I, I think that I think that that's going to be key. The bench is going to be absolutely key. And it's probably going to take us about 10, 15 games to really figure out where they're at as a unit. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about as, as we talk about our, our preview for the Warriors season, James Wiseman. Uh, Kerr has said that he's planning on making, you know, he sees him being the, the, short, the starter, obviously long-term, but um, sooner than later. What are your expectations for him this season? And did they change at all once, they got, once uh, Clay went down? I wouldn't say that they changed too much for me uh, once Clay went down, other than I do feel like there might be an added emphasis on his development this year, just because, you know, with Clay out, the Warriors have to at least be a little bit more honest in appraising themselves. Um, and if they don't get off to a great start, you might see them hit the, you know, not the rebuild button, obviously, but you might see them play more developmental minutes, even if it might cost them a win or two. Whereas if they had clay and they're very clearly a championship contender, I think they're going to be a little bit more hesitant to give minutes to players who maybe need to, you know, iron out the wrinkles on the court. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't think it, it really changes much. Um, but I expect him to have a really good season. I will be, I will be very transparent here. I was low on him prior to the draft. I said many times leading up to the draft that I did not think that the Warriors would have any interest in drafting him. Um, 
And I have to appeal to their authority here because all of the things that I was concerned about, they have praised him for. And like I said earlier, uh, Steve Kerr, he's not a person who doles out uh, a lot of excess compliments. He's not the kind of coach, as nice as he is, he's not the kind of coach who's going to tell you how good one of his players are if he doesn't actually think that player is really good. Kirk cannot contain his excitement about James Wiseman. Uh, And a lot of the players can't contain their excitement and Bob Myers can't contain their excitement. And I think, you know, I don't know how much this comes through, through the computer or through the TV, um, but sitting in on their, on the media availabilities and on press conferences with the team, the vibe from the organization is night and day different this year than it is a year than it was a year ago. Um, they, after getting D'Angelo Russell, they didn't have that optimism after they had, after they'd gone through training camp, there was this kind of almost defeated nature as, as they realized this, this wasn't really going to work out. And with Wiseman, it's, you know, not that Wiseman is a direct comparison to D'Angelo Russell, of course, but you see a total shift in energy and in confidence from the organization. They think that this guy is tremendous and they think that he's going to be ready to go really soon um you know by the time people are listening to this maybe we'll have known the answer but steve kerr hasn't ruled out starting him in the season opener uh despite the fact that he hasn't played in any of the preseason games yet Uh, i think he's going to get a lot of opportunity i think he provides something that the warriors don't have i really like looney and chris but uh they're a little undersized at the position and you look at Wiseman, he is an authentic seven foot one. He is broad shouldered. He is strong. He has unbelievable athleticism. And so on the, top so of that, the opposite, opposite of you, Brady, is what you're saying, right? The exact opposite of me, <laughs> yeah, <James. okay. laughs> Everything that I can't do, James Wiseman can do. And he's, and he's talented and, and uh, the work ethic seems to be there, which, which is huge with the Warriors, you know, uh, we, we've heard that with a lot of players. We've heard the rumors and the, and the um, reports after the fact that, you know, they didn't like this player's work ethic or they didn't like how hard he practiced. And you hear Draymond Green talking after the first practice that James Wiseman struggled a bit because he was too energetic. And they loved that because now they get to dial it back instead of having to try to find a way to, you know, light a fire under him. So, yeah, I, I expect him to be really good, Jazz, to be honest. I think he's going to be one, if not the most valuable rookies in the league. I don't think he'll win Rookie of the Year because I'm not sure that he'll get the role that, like, a LaMelo Ball, who's going to get 35 minutes a night off the bat with the ball in his hands. Mm. Um, you know, those players tend to be, you know, a little bit more in the favor of, of the voting eye for Rookie of the Year. Uh, but I, I really expect James Wiseman to be a weapon. I expect him to be a starting center getting, you know, 25 or so minutes a night by the end of the season and, and making a really big impact on, on both ends of the court, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it's, it, he's a benef- you know, he benefits from the fact that the NBA, it's, it's not a recent change, but I mean, over the last, you know, seven, eight years, the NBA is a different game. Now, if Wiseman came in as is, and we're talking in the, you know, early 2000s, and he's having to guard Tim Duncan and, and you know Shaq on the on the block okay I think the learning curve is going to be a little bit harder I, I think for any rookie coming in 
especially as when you're kind of the last line of defense as the big man and you're the rim protector, you're going to have to learn the, the rotations and, and, you know, seeing what the team's memorizing what the team's game plan is. Okay. We want to push this guy left, right. And, and you know, where to be, but I think with his skill set in terms of being, uh, you, you mentioned it, an athletic freak and the guy can jump up and, and grab anything and, and put it in, into the rim. Um, I think he has all of the tools necessary to be a, a damn good big man in the NBA. And I think we'll see him develop into that. And, and it, cause it's funny, you look at the, the 2020 draft class, there was nobody who really was, you know, it wasn't like a Zion John ja, ja Moran thing where you're like, Hey, which one of these guys is going to have a bigger impact? And, and both these guys could be, you know, future MVP candidates. This year is a bunch of solid guys. I, I like guys like Tyrese Halliburton. I thought he, you know, I think he's going to have a good fit, but Wiseman's ceiling, I just think is higher than a lot of those guys. I mean, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards, you talked about the fact that, you know, the Warriors have to have to dial back Wiseman's energy. I think with Edwards, the concern was we have to raise this guy up. Like he doesn't seem yeah. like he's fully committed. And then you look at a guy like LaMelo Ball, who again, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to trash him. I, I just don't, I, I don't like Lonzo's game a lot. And, and I know his, he, he plays a little bit differently, but I, I just didn't see them being long-term fits. And, and when, I'm, when I'm saying that, I mean, okay, the next three or four years, we know Steph Curry, we know uh, Clay Thompson will be around. Who's going to fit in with these guys? And it's going to be on Myers, I think, and this has nothing to do with this season. I think in the next couple of years, trying to add another uh, a third piece that's going to be young and maybe take the reins for the organization going forward. But again, I, I think that's a little bit of the ways down the line. I think Wiseman's a perfect fit. Um, you, don't need, you didn't need a great center when you had Kevin Durant Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond Green doing most of the damage. But now without, you know, without, uh, without KD and, and without Thompson for this year, the big man was, was a certain need for them. And, and I think they'll, they've done a good job of fulfilling it. I'm super excited to see how, how he holds up when he plays in his first game against the Nets as well. Uh, let's jump into this before we wrap things up. Predictions for the season. I, I'm looking at it. If they had Clay on this team and they're playing a 72-game season, I would honestly think that the, the Warriors are going to win somewhere between 48 and 51, 52 games. But when I'm looking at this team right now, where do you, where do you have them finishing in the West and how many wins do you have them, them finishing with overall? So I'm going to be more optimistic than I probably should. Um, and if, if people listening to this are, are readers of our website, then they probably know that that's par for the course with me. Uh, but I think, I think the Warriors are going to be the fifth seed. Uh, I think I think they're going to be behind the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Mavericks. Um, there are certainly some other teams there that could easily get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm banking on Steph Curry being healthy, and I just think Steph Curry is a top five player in the league still in my eyes. And in my opinion, the NBA is still a place where if you have a top five player you are going to be really good most of the time. Um, and I think the Warriors have enough pieces around him and enough fit among those pieces uh, that, things will, that things will work out well um, for them, not as well as they would have with Clay. Uh, but I think, I think Curry is that good of a player, and I think Draymond Green is still really good, assuming he can stay healthy. I still think he's an elite defender and a very good playmaker. So I'm going to say fifth in the West, uh, somewhere in the 40 to 43 win range. Okay, I, I'm totally with you on the on the on the win range. I think there you're you're looking at somewhere between. I wasn't even going to say somewhere between 38 and, and 44 would be would be my guess. So just for the sake of the podcast, I'll say they go 42 and 30 overall. But I, I see them as a six seed. Um, I, I just think the 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 West is it's just going to be a bloodbath throughout the season. You know what I mean? The top teams yeah. are so good, and then you you also have another tier. 
of teams in the West, uh, like the Minnesotas, you know, who are kind of Houston, they're, they're a big question mark. We are not pretty, we not Minnesota, New Orleans and Houston. They're kind of like, okay, they could be really good or they can just be average or they could be really bad. We, we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I'm with you, Lakers, Clippers. I, I would say the Nuggets, the Mavericks. Um, I do have finishing ahead. And I think Phoenix is going to be really good as well with, uh, with Chris Paul and, and, and Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton there. I, I think they're going to be a handful. So I'll, I'll take the Warriors finishing as the sixth seed. Do you think they can do any damage in the playoffs? I mean, again, again, we're going to have a lot more answers as we get closer to April, May when, when, the, when the playoffs begin. But when you, when you look at them as constructed, how far do you think they can get in the postseason? So I, I don't think it's very likely, but I think if everything hits, if we look at all of their question marks going into the season and we assume that the best case scenario happens uh, to, in all of those situations, I think that they can be, I think they can make the conference finals and have a very competitive series there. But that means Steph Curry has to be MVP Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre have to take some leaps forward in their role. Draymond Green has to be defensive player of the year, Draymond Green. And James Wiseman has to be as good as we were just talking about him being able to be at some point down the road. Uh, I don't think that's particularly likely. Uh, I think it's more likely that they have a competitive first round series, uh, maybe win two games in the first round, put a little bit of a scare in one of the, one of the top two or three seeds uh, and then go home. Um, but I do think that if they hit on everything, uh, that this team can can make a legitimate run in the West. Yeah, I'm, I, I think they can get deep. Again, I, this is going to be a weird season. And if you paid attention to what's happening in, in the NFL, where guys are missing, you know, they have to sit out a week or 10 days, depending on what happens with a positive COVID result. Again, we don't, you know, the vaccine, hopefully it, it gets out a little bit sooner than, than they're anticipating. So um, the NBA guys, you know, we don't, we don't have to, well, I don't want to say this jump the line or anything. Of course, there's more important people that need it um, in terms of health and safety of, of the general population. But I, I think that's going to play a role in, in things too, and the injuries and all that. Uh, the Warriors, the one thing they can't afford, obviously, and this is not, I'm not this is not hard hitting analysis. You get a long term <laughs> injury to Steph or Dre, you're done, right? Um, it's going to be tough, Absolutely. To, tough to overcome that. I, I think they'll win a round in the in the playoffs. Um, I think they would, they would, they would not do too well against the Lakers or Clippers in an opening round matchup, just because I, I, I think those teams are too deep, but I think if you go along with the grind of the playoffs and the Lakers are part of me, the Warriors are playing a team like the, uh, like the Nuggets in the first round, uh, or a team like the Phoenix Suns in the first round, I, I definitely think the Warriors can win around. And then it's just going to kind of be like, all right, if Steph can get hot and average 38 a game, which he has the full capability of doing. The Warriors couldn't go further, but I'll say for right now, I'm going to take the uh, the easy way out and say they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win a round. I don't know what happens after that, but I guess that's why we're going to have to wait and see what happens when, when the season begins on uh, on Tuesday against the Nets. Yeah, well, we're about to see it all unfold and have a lot of a lot of those questions answered before our eyes, which is what makes this all fun, and we get to come back in a few months and look at how dumb we are. Yeah, well, that, that always happens. With help, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out. <laughs> yeah, it comes with the are. job, man. Um, this, this does it for our first episode. If you all, well, not if you all, we want you all to subscribe to our, our, our podcast. We're going to be on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it. We are there. And of course, uh, check us out at goldenstateofmind.com. We'll be updating the site every damn day with all the news that you can come up with for, uh, surrounding the Warriors, our opinions, stats, analysis, you name it, we'll have you covered. That does it for our first episode. Again, subscribe to our network, and uh, we'll talk to you all again next week.